You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. You're listening to Represent on Sin. Joining us today is Tim Reed, Victorian Greens MP for Brunswick. Thanks for coming on Represent, Tim. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Great. So I think the subject on everyone's mind this week is the imminent net zero target from the Australian government in the lead up to COP26 and what that will look like. In that context, we know that you've been really vocal about gas drilling in the Otway Basin near the Twelve Apostles. Since the Vic Gov and the Vic opposition recently voted down a motion to block gas drilling near this landmark, I think we're wondering, you know, how does that sit for you? Um, alongside emissions reduction commitments from state and federal labour and hopefully from the government this week? Yeah, look, thanks, Amelia. The, the first thing to say is whenever you hear net zero by 2050, uh, it's worth just translating that. That means we're going to stop making climate change worse by 2050. And therefore, we're going to keep making climate change worse until 2050. A number of people have been pointing out uh, this is delay and delay is the new denial effectively. So that's why people like Scott Morrison are willing to entertain net zero by 2050 because they'll be dead by then. And the whole point of it is uh, to just kick the can down the road. Uh, So that's just a bit of a segue. Um, But coming back to what the states are doing or what the states can do brings us to what's happening in Victoria where Every time you ask the Premier or the Minister for Climate and Energy and the Environment about climate, they say, they spread their hands wide and say, look at our fabulous solar homes program. And they'll say, look over there, there's a solar panel. And hope that you don't notice the ongoing fossil fuel extraction program of the Victorian government, which uh, took a little turn recently when they gave approval for this gas drilling near the 12 apostles. So it's worth just pointing out that we're also mining brown coal in enormous quantities and burning it all here at a rate of over 100,000 tonnes a day. I I don't know, it's hard to imagine what 100,000 tonnes of coal looks like, but it's about the size of a taller than average Melbourne city skyscraper would be a, if it was solid brown coal, that's what we'd burn in a day. So um, so that's going on and that's where most of our carbon pollution comes from, at least from uh, from our energy system. But gas, Victoria is Australia's biggest gas user um, and about half the gas used in Australia uh, by houses, half of household gas use is is used by um, Victorians to heat their homes. So uh, so they're looking for more, and there just happens to be some in the Otway Basin, just uh, just past the Twelve Apostles. And there's a drill hole. It actually goes in through, I think, some farmland. Uh, then it goes underground, under the seafloor, under the Twelve Apostles, and out to the gas field. Um, and it was an exploratory well, and it's being opened up. Uh, to actually extract gas now. So that's the that's what's happening. And it's something we tried to stop in Parliament last week. Um, and we ran a big campaign and we got thousands of letters on our petition and so on. Uh, but uh, in the end, 
Labor and the Liberals voted together. And uh, so that's going ahead. But there's still lots of opportunities to stop this stuff. Yeah, so you touched on the short-term thinking of the governance and especially federal governance in regards to climate change in itself. Um, We've heard that by the end of the day today, we might have a net zero 2050 target, uh, yet this will still put us behind a lot of the developed countries that are still rather focusing on the 2030 um, target instead. Ideally, what targets should we be aiming for? Yeah, so... uh... A number of climate scientists and I think the Climate Council uh, have argued that we need a, a minimum of a 75% reduction in emissions. I think that's based on 2005 data uh, by 2030 to stand even a reasonable chance of staying below 1.5 degree degrees of warming. Um, that's not even great odds, you know, uh, and um, I think we could probably even do 80% uh, if we put our minds to it. We've got nine years. Um, we can get a lot done in that time. As it stands, if we just sort of let business go ahead and did no particular government action on climate, we would still get to a, a better than half of our electricity coming from renewable sources by 2030. So then if you add government funding and energy and regulation and investment, uh, we could do a whole lot better than that. Um, Obviously, a lot of our emissions comes from sources other than generating electricity, you know, about something like 18%, I think, comes from transport, and but that's rising quite quickly. So transport's a big one. Agriculture's another big one, and so on. So we'd need to make a whole bunch of changes in all of these sectors, construction, healthcare, all of these things are all big sources of, of emissions. But none of, the, none of the changes necessary require anyone to invent anything new. All the technology exists. Most of it is affordable. And we just need to change what we do a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's definitely a goal that we have to strive for in the future. Um, just to touch on the post-COVID world and kind of the economic crisis that a lot of people are facing, um, you yourself have advocated against the evictions throughout COVID. Um, but during the aftermath of COVID, do you think Australia could adopt similar models to countries like France who have bans on evictions in certain times of the year, including winter? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think... Um... That's a, that's a really good policy. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, in Australia, people collapse and are admitted to hospital with hypothermia. Um, and uh, there are two groups, young people who basically get pissed and collapse in the middle of the night outdoors, um, but older people who get hypothermia in their own homes, believe it or not. And um, so another... Uh, thing to think about there is is we need better standards of home insulation and and so on um, in terms of protecting people in the winter and a lot of rental homes are basically just glorified tents they're full of holes and um, you can spend a lot of money heating them and it all just all that hot air just goes out through the cracks Uh, but getting back to your point I think uh, banning evictions in winter would be a, a great policy for somewhere like Melbourne. Thanks for that Tim and on um 
yeah, health healthcare providers and responding to the pandemic. Um, I think we're wondering what's your response to the announcement we've just seen in the last week that frontline emergency workers will be paid an extra $60 per shift. Um, do you think that adequately compensates for their, you know, incredible role they've played in protecting our community from the pandemic? Yeah, good point. I think the, the first point is that um, I, th I think most health workers uh, aren't in it for the money, they're in it because it's a it's a calling, it's something they want to do. And I feel that those of us who aren't in the business don't necessarily know what sacrifices people have made, particularly um, before vaccination was widely available. Um, and so particularly during the uh, last winter, um, quite a number of healthcare workers who are at high risk uh, moved away from their families. Um, so that's something not a lot of people know. Um, and uh, so I, I think that's important. The issue we're facing right now, though, is that quite a lot of nurses have either left the profession or moved away from the wards into um, vaccination centres or testing centres where, you know, the hours are a bit nicer and the pay is not bad and and so on, compared to the pretty demanding work in the wards, there's been a nursing shortage as a result. A lot of nurses are working double shifts, which makes it more demanding and make them more likely to leave. And so we were facing a situation where the wards are filling up with COVID patients uh, and there are fewer nurses available to look after them. And so we pushed uh, a couple of weeks ago for the government, and we weren't alone in calling for this, so is the ANMF, and uh, there are a number of petitions circulating to pay nurses some more. And it was partly just a pragmatic step to just stop the drain of nurses walking off the job. And, and while money isn't everything, uh, if ever there was a time to invest in hospital nurse power, it was right now. Fortunately, we just saw some modelling suggesting the rate of hospitalisation won't rise as high as we had feared, uh, but it's already, I haven't seen today's figures, but it's already hovering around 800 or something. And that's 800 more people in hospital than would normally be there. So uh, the hospital system is under extreme stress right now. And I think throwing some extra money at it right now to keep things running is, is a very smart move. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Tim. We are all out of time today. It's been really good talking to you and getting your input on all these important issues to the Victorian landscape. Thanks for having me, George and Amelia. Thank you. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show.